This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. It's going to be a big show. Sean Spicer at the bottom of the hour, and we'll take your phone calls, 1-866-408-7669. We're watching live as Senator Graham has uh, gaveled in the beginning of technically day three, but in terms of questioning day two of the 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 quest for Amy Coney Barrett to become the next Supreme Court justice. And yesterday was, I don't, I don't know where a lot of these questions came from, but at least it was polite. At least they let each other finish. Uh, at least she was so impressive, it just diminished the sense of politics around. But Hirono, of course, brought politics to the pay, to, to the table. Uh, Sheldon Whitehouse was particularly political. And Senator Cory Booker, to close the show, was coming out of nowhere with cases he barely understood. But fortunately for Amy Coney Barrett, she very well understood them. Uh, we're looking at a, uh, a situation with the election where 11 million people, 11 million have already voted. More to vote today. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Make a deal. Put the ball in McConnell court. So what do you say to Ro What I say to you is I don't know why you're always an apologist. And many of your colleagues apologize for the Republican position. This is how out of control she is. That's Nancy Pelosi, of course. COVID-9 rescue aid is needed, but... Negotiations are deadlocked, and even CNN seems frustrated with the blocker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. While a second wave sacks Europe and disturbing numbers here show it's not close to going away. Number two. I ask you to do me a favor. Suburban women, will you please like me? Number three. Uh, no one campaigns like him. 2020, Trump takes his re-election roadshow to Pennsylvania, where a loud capacity crowd lets him know his fight for what's right is far from over. Meanwhile, a low-key Joe Biden is about to get some much-needed help as President Obama plans on hitting the trail, which also can be divisive for the Democrats. But wait, an explosive story in the New York Post, if true, could blow a massive hole in Joe's campaign. Number one. You know, most of us have multiple notebooks and notes and books and things like that in front of us. Can you hold up what you've been referring to and answering our questions? Is there anything on it? Uh, that letterhead that says United States Senate. That's, imp- that's impressive. Uh, there you go. And that was a guy that used to be a judge. Uh, that is, of course, Senator Cornyn. Uh, we have, it took 11 hours, but Amy Coney Barrett passed her day one exam in her attempt to become the ninth Supreme Court Justice. I'll bring you the highs, the lows, and what happened in between. And by the way, if you ever missed the show, you got to travel, BrianKillMeShow.com. So did you see any of this? Did you see how composed she looked? She had no note. She held up a blank pad. Why? Because she knew her cases, knew the track record, and also knew she's not going to weigh in on cases that she doesn't know anything about. She's not going to weigh in on hypotheticals. But that did not stop the Democratic senators in particular from asking some way out questions with a very familiar theme. It's about Roe v. Wade. Most of all, it's about ACA, Obamacare, and it's about recusing yourself 
if anything has to do with Donald Trump. Cut to. And who wins when you allow unlimited dark money in politics? I imagine you were surrounded by a team of folks that helped prepare you for this nomination hearing. I have did had... They, did yes. They, uh, but let me finish, if you don't mind. Oh, I'm did so they, sorry. Is Roe a super precedent? How would you define super precedent? I, I, I actually, I might... Have, Thought someday I'd be sitting in that chair. I'm not. I'm up here. So I'm asking okay, you. Okay. Well, people so. use super precedent differently. Uh, yeah, uh, that's right. I guess uh, Amy Klobuchar really wants to be a Supreme Court justice. I did not know that. But the morning session was three hours and three minutes. The afternoon session, seven hours, 28 minutes. Total time, 10 hours, 31 minutes, 54 seconds. Today, it's going to be 20 minutes per senator. So you got 22 senators to get through. It's going to be a long day. Round three, 10 minutes only of questioning. Closed door session with the nominee at some point. I don't expect any Democrats to vote for them, not because she's not qualified or because she's conservative, but because Democrats don't feel as though with an election three weeks away, she should be getting the nomination. But a couple of things have happened. Number one, the Democrats have allowed their outrage to be overwhelmed by their threat. And I think they'll fulfill it if they get the Senate and the House and the White House to stack the court, pack the court, put up to 15 justices in the court and diminish the impact of the Supreme Court. It is titanic news. It was unpopular in the 30s. It was unpopular in the 70s. It's unpopular now. But Democrats say, the heck with that. Get rid of the filibuster. We'll pass it. And they refuse to answer it, which is lengthening the stay of this program and the, uh, of this storyline. Number two, her. Amy Coney Barrett is so likable, so impressive. Seven kids, two from Haiti. Uh, impressive mom. Kids are ideal. Her composure is off the chart. It makes Joe Montana look frantic. So I've... Don't see how that storyline continues unless they pivot back with you can't do it. You shouldn't do it. And then Schumer starts with I'm not going to give you a quorum delay of game delay of game. But she was good. And she wouldn't make any commitments to the White House. She wouldn't make any commitments, to any decisions. She wouldn't make any commitments to getting rid of the ACA or overturning Roe v. Wade. Senator Dianne Feinstein kind of set the tone, though. She was the ranking member and remains the ranking member. She'll speak right after Senator Lindsey Graham in about five minutes. Cut 10. Do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe was wrongly decided? It would actually be wrong and a violation of the canons for me to do that as a sitting judge. Um, so if, if I express a view on a precedent one way or another, whether I say I love it or I hate it, it signals to litigants that I might tilt one way or another in a pending case. So she was able to handle that and the follow-up. But the crazy stuff came from Senator Maisie Hirono. Listen to this, uh, what she was talking about out of nowhere in front of her seven kids. This is the question she chooses to ask based on nothing. Cut 11. Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No, Senator Hirono. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No, Senator. Right. Uh, Shocked she said no. I mean, I just want to ask, I ask everybody that. Oh, that's good to know. You ask that. You ask the 7-Eleven guy. Do you ask, uh, do you ask the uh, parking attendant? I ask every Supreme Court justice. So there you go. Thank goodness that's over with. So how did it go? Mark Thiessen, outstanding writer, 
Uh, he's a, also a terror analyst, and a, he actually wrote speeches for President Bush. Uh, Mark Thiessen, on what he thought he picked up yesterday, cut 16. It's pretty clear that they are not going to be able to stop uh, Barrett's nomination. Uh, they know that going after her religion, the way they went after uh, Brett Kavanaugh for with false charges of, of sexual assault, would backfire. They it cost them their chances for the Senate in 2018. So they're trying to make this about health care, and they're trying to make this about all these rulings, and alleging that she's going to uh, overturn all these laws. And the reality is they have no idea what she's going to do because they're, they're exposing uh, their flawed judicial philosophy. And that is Mark Thiessen. I always love getting his analysis. Meanwhile, here's the story. I thought I was, I was preparing for Fox & Friends. I thought I was pretty much done. We get this huge email list of all these top stories that happen overnight and throughout the day with sound bites to really help out this show. So I said, let, let me see. I've got to get some you know, New York stories for the second to second or third hour as it relates to we pick up all these Northeast affiliates. And I put up and I see the headline. And I thought, is this an old headline? It's about the Ukraine. And here I go. Thinking to myself, here, we're going to hear about the impeachment again. But it's much different. In September, Steve Bannon was told about a laptop. He came and picked it up and looked at it. He went to Delaware, I imagine. And he looked at it. And then he realized on it was emails of Hunter Biden, his partner, Archer, and the third-ranking executive, at Burisma, at which time one of the emails shows that he wants to thank Hunter for hooking him up with his father when he was sitting vice president in Washington. It also talks about him being in a crisis and need to use some of his influence with his friend. What? I'm thinking to myself, is this a setup? They go on. The email shows Hunter Biden which reportedly is crack in somewhat with people that describe, I haven't seen it, of a porn video on that laptop. Evidently, it got wet. It got sent to this repair shop for repairs. It got fixed. They couldn't get anybody to pick up. Finally, the guy looked at it and noticed what was on it. He contacted somehow Steve Bannon in September, who contacted Rudy Giuliani in October. And on Sunday, Rudy Giuliani dropped it off to the New York Post. It shows Hunter Biden shows he did, in fact, introduce Burisma executives to the vice president and his dad. Think about that. Hunter introduced a Burisma executive to his dad. Also asked him for help. Yesterday, we told you from talking to Kyle Smith that Joe Biden's gotten a total pass, totally backed up by today's story in Axios that whenever somebody has been less scrutinized in the history of presidential politics because it's the very lucky Joe Biden, whose brother got a $1.8 million construction contract without a construction background to build structures in Iraq. We thought that was a big deal. But now we find out about this. Now, there's a chance they uh, in, uh, that these are inauthentic and that Rudy Giuliani was duped and Steve Bannon, one of the smartest people I ever heard speak, got duped. But on it, Bo, uh, a, a, a sticker of Bo Biden about his foundation, reportedly. If this is, in fact, true, we remember that before Joe Biden, when asked about this, keeps losing his temper, keeps losing his temper when people bring up Hunter Biden is linked to Burisma and China. And what's he going to do about it? Trading off your dad's name. He said, I knew nothing about his overseas operation. 34. You, on the other hand, that's your son over there. He had a job and worked for a gas company, but he had no experience with gas or nothing. In order to 
get access to the public for the president. So you're you're selling access to the president just like he was. So you got a damn liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. No one has heard that. I see no. it on the TV. You see it that's on the TV. I no, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I, I'm not sedentary. I don't. I get up and 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 no. Let 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 him go. Let him go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know. And I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on it, let's do push-ups together here, man. Let's do, let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. No one has said my son has done anything wrong and I did not on any occasion. And no one has ever said it. Not I didn't one... say you were doing anything wrong. I you said... said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? I... Get your words straight, Jack. There goes the temper. There goes the defensiveness. There goes the fact that he flat out could have lied if these emails are authentic. And keep in mind, he said I had nothing to do with the president's overseas operations. But if he did meet with Burisma executive, you're lying. And number two is just keep in mind, there's a picture of him, Hunter, and his partner, Archer, on the golf course. Do you think any of the business opportunities that came up in the Ukraine? Check out the story. 1-866-408-7669. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'll take some calls when we get back. Go over some which uh, Senator Lindsey Graham is still speaking now. We'll bring some of his remarks back, and then we'll also talk about twenty twenty. I'm looking at the polls, but don't fall prey, because right now I believe there's a big push to make the Trump supporters feel like it's over, like they should not even show up at the polls. That's a goal. That's an operation. That's a tactic. If you see what's happening in Orlando, if you saw what's happening in Pennsylvania, if you saw the size of his pre-coronavirus positive. Uh, the positive 19 tests, you see the passion for them. This thing is not over, and I'll tell you why when we return. Questioning everything. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path.
breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Your point to us is when it's likely that case and controversies around the holding of a particular case are going to come to the court, there's only so much you can tell us about what you may or may not do. Absolutely. So that Roe v. Wade compared to Brown versus Board of Education is not super president. Um, not super president, as I was using that term in the articles that have been referred to. Uh, that's a little of Amy Coney Barrett moments ago as Senator Lindsey Graham is still speaking to her. That's some of the latest comments, the latest give and take. It's polite, it's informative, it's interesting. Now Senator Dianne Feinstein has just taken over and she's diving heavily into the ACA and what's going to be front and center for the Supreme Court in a couple of, in about a month. And that is going to be, uh, can this thing stand the constitutional test without a... Uh, without a mandate saying that you have to buy insurance. The indications are, according to the legal experts, including Kavanaugh, who just talked about this thing called severability. Can you sever out one piece of a law and let the what's left of it exist? Evidently, they're pretty certain even the conservative members of the court will vote the answer being yes and keeps it in play, much to the chagrin of the president of the United States. But they're still going to question that, and I think it's going to get a little bit tedious at this point. So I'm just going over what many of you might want to comment on what's going on with this uh, laptop. This laptop that was found because it was underwater, evidently water damaged, and given over to a Delaware computer company uh, to fix it. They fixed it. They couldn't get anyone to pick it up. They started looking at the hard drive and noticed these Hunter Biden emails. They contacted the uh, Steve Bannon. Uh, evidently, they contacted the FBI first, and the FBI came and took it in December. But before they did, he actually copied off the hard drive into something else, and it was revealed to Bannon, handed off to Rudy Giuliani. That it looks like Hunter Biden, his partner Archer, and the executives at so far the executives at uh, Burisma were able to interact, and he even chose, even chose that Hunter Biden was been uh, asked to ask his dad for a favor. And we know about what we just played for you, what his dad's reaction was. And his uh, dad's reaction, when questioned about this or any relationship, he got pretty angry. He says, no. If President Trump was quiet and let him answer that question, of course, Wallace had followed up, which I'm sure he would have, finally get the information out. Why did his brother get a $1.8 million contract to go into Iraq? Why did Barack Obama come out and say, never underestimate the chances uh, of how much Joe Biden could blank things up? And it started with an F. And then why is it that Hunter Biden seems to have gotten this deal and you said he didn't trade on your name when he clearly did? So let's pivot to the campaign. President Trump talking about uh, talking in Pennsylvania yesterday. He needs that state desperately. He needs that state desperately. And here he is going to for the group that seems to have left him so far. Not entirely. Cut 19. I ask you to do me a favor. Suburban women, will you please like me? Remember? Please. Please. I saved your damn neighborhood, okay? The other thing, I don't have that much time to be that nice. You know, I can do it, but I got to go quickly. We don't have time. They want me to be politically correct. Oh, yes, let's discuss it. Let's talk about it over the next 10 years. And he's not. Uh, President Trump was shot out of a cannon the last two days. I think he's got a lot of nutrition in him. Uh, and I think he's just... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Pumped up to be back because he probably felt so bad when he was in Walter Reed. He really felt like he was penned up. So Joe Biden is wrestling with questions, and then he's wrestling with the same question over and over again, and his decision not to answer it is causing him problems. Cut 21. Court packing is going on now. Never before, when an election has already begun and millions of votes already cast, has it ever been that a Supreme Court nominee was put forward. Had never happened before. I've already spoken on, I, I'm not a fan of pack, uh, court packing, but I'm not, I don't want to get off on that whole issue. I want to keep focused. Not, the president would love nothing better than to fight about whether or not I would, in fact, pack the court or not pack the court, et cetera. The focus is, why is he doing what he's doing now? Yeah, you want all the attention on him, and you just want to slip yourself right into the White House. I have news for you. You refusing to answer the question has lengthened this story now for a complete week, a complete week. I thought you were the ones with great political instincts. You were the one with all the experience. It's wrong. When we come back, Sean Spicer, is the president going to get any help on the campaign trail? We're going to ask him and compare it to 2016, and then take more of your calls, one 408 7669 from the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I think the doctrine of severability, as it's been described by the court, you know, serves a valuable function of trying not to undo your work when you wouldn't want a court to undo your work. Um, Severability strives to look at a statute as a whole and say, would Congress have considered this provision so vital that kind of in the Jenga game, pulling it out, Congress wouldn't want the statute anymore. So it it's designed to effectuate your intent. But, you know, severability is designed to say, well, would Congress still want the statute to stand even with this provision gone? Would Congress have still passed the same statute without it? So I think insofar as it tries to effectuate what Congress would have wanted, it's the court and Congress working hand in hand. Thank you. That's quite a definition. I'm, I'm really impressed. Thank you. Uh, and that was Diane Feinstein, a ranking member on the Democratic Senate side of the ju- on the judiciary. Who knows? She could be in the majority if this trend continues. We'll see. Sean Spicer joins us now. Uh, he's got a new book out called Leading America, President Trump's Commitment to People, Patriotism, and Capitalism. Sean, welcome back. Good to see you, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good. So far, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, we expected fireworks. I haven't seen a lot of them. I, I think that's the proverbial dud. Um, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, she, if anything, they're giving her a bigger platform to show how eminently qualified she is for this position. I was just – I literally feel like I got a cheap law school uh, education yesterday through all of her discussion of the different cases and court, pre- court precedent. Uh, it really is impressive to listen to her speak. And then as Senator Cornyn pointed out when he sort of said, you know, show us your notes, and she holds up this empty, empty notebook – 
how amazing that woman is. I, I Look, strategically speaking, I think the Democrats are making a mistake here. They should allow this vote to go through as quick as possible because it, this, these hearings are taking the oxygen all out of uh, the campaign and focusing them on on them, and what it does is it reminds people how you know the type of people that that President Trump is appointing to the bench. So I'm glad that we're doing this because every time the focus is on that, young women get to see this amazing conservative jurist up there, and uh, you know she is someone that that is a role model to young women. And so I, I think from a Republican and a conservative standpoint, let's keep this thing going. <laughs> So let's talk about the election, Sean. And the, right now, the president uh, finds himself in most all the polls trailing. How is it like or unlike? Because you were there every step of the way with Reince Priebus, and the president didn't have much of an infrastructure, so the RNC was the infrastructure. So how is this like or unlike? Now, the, the Access Hollywood tape had come out for about a week already, and you had two more debates coming your way. One will not happen. The other one we hope will happen on the 22nd. So how does this remind you of 2016? Well, the difference, you know, it's funny you said that, Brian, because I, I think that that Hol- Access Hollywood tape came out on a Friday. That second debate in St. Louis was on uh, a Sunday, if I'm correct. Yes, I think it was a Sunday, and it was it was important uh, that 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 debate happened because the president went on offense. Remember, he brought uh, Juanita Broderick and all of the other accusers to that debate. He went after Hillary Clinton and talked about her complicity and silence of uh, you know supporting women. And, and I think he got robbed of an opportunity by not having the second debate. Um, that being said, look, it's, I, I would like him ahead in some of these debates, especially with COVID and mail-in vote. There's a little bit of a concern that I have as we head into these um, to these final three weeks. Um, luckily, you mentioned it earlier, the Trump campaign and the RNC have built what I believe is the most sophisticated political operation in history – in terms of their ground game, getting out, knocking on doors, identifying voters to vote early or to vote on Election Day and then following up with them. And as long as they can maintain that uh, apparatus and in, in advantage, then that will keep the race as close as it needs to be in the final uh, few days. But they've got to get this thing to within a field goal. Is it there yet? I think the thing is, it's a great question, because in some states it is. I think the president's going to win Florida. I think he'll win North Carolina and Ohio. But what worry me are the four sort of mid-Atlantic and Midwest states, so Pennsylvania, mid-Atlantic region, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota in the Midwest. Um, they worry me because, um, you know, I think he's going to eke out victories. But remember, I, 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 every time people say, oh, well, he won this last time and he won this, he won Michigan by 10,704 votes. That's 0.22 over percent. He won Pennsylvania by 44,000 votes and Wisconsin by 24,000 votes. Those are like, you know, big student council election wins. And they need to get it closer. Um, and that's what worries me is that you need to pick off one, hopefully two of those. And obviously Arizona's come into play in a way that it shouldn't be. Yeah, and also the Senate seat uh, does not look good currently right now, but within shouting yeah, distance. That's right. So Axios writes this story today, and I can't deny it, and I think you'll underline it, that Joe Biden is the weakest, least scrutinized candidate in the in the modern American history. Here's Hans Nichols on MSNBC, Cut 27. Eight months ago, Joe Biden was left for dead. He made his last stand in South Carolina. That turned to be a slingshot, vaulted him to the front of the pack. And then they basically went into lockdown. And you remember the criticisms of Joe Biden that he was hiding in his basement. Remember, it was David Axelrod and David Plouffe, two engineers of the Obama campaign that dinged him back in May. But the Biden campaign held fast. They had a theory of the case and they held fast. 
And that's put him in a position he is today where he's the front runner. He's up in most of the polls. He hasn't, though, faced the kind of scrutiny in the general election and the kind of hard questions from the press corps that previous candidates had. Now, what the Biden campaign will say is he got roughed up quite a bit during the primary, and that's true. But remember, there was like a three-month stretch there where he didn't take any re uh, questions from his traveling uh, reporters. So, yes, he's lucky. Yeah, it, he won. They thought he was such an also ran. They stopped picking on him in the debates. He got no more action and he was able to rise up because he wasn't Bernie Sanders. Sean, how do you make Joe Biden a factor in the last three weeks? That's a great question because you have a complicit press corps. I mean, think about it. The other day, the guy says, I'm not going to tell you where I stand on packing the court because I don't want, quote, a headline. Are you kidding me? And yet the press corps' response was, we're apologized, Mr. Biden. We're sorry for asking us this question. We'll, we'll get back to asking the ones about Trump. It's embarrassing how complicit the press is in trying to elect the guy. But that's the reality of where we are. And the Trump campaign, again, I'm going to say, like, the, 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 I get it. I, like, I, I, as a conservative, as someone who's been dealing with this for decades, the whining, I understand it. It's not fair, but it's the reality. And the Trump campaign did it in 2016, and they can do it again. What they need to do, though, is stay razor-focused on policies and accomplishments. The president did this in 2016. He, he just literally stayed laser-focused, and he needs to do it again. Because right now, the only thing that people care about, are you going to make the country better? Are you going to raise? Are you going to create more jobs? Are you going to eradicate COVID? Are you going to continue to care for veterans? He's done all that. He just needs to talk about it. Because he actually has done it. And, and so I, I, my advice is stop talking about the grievances and the unfairness and, and just literally talk about the fact when the president said the other night during the debate, 47 months of accomplishment for, versus 47 years, boom, that was all he needed to say. And he needs to drive that wedge further and further home. Joe Biden, think about this, Brian, has been in Washington almost a half a century. And he keeps talking about what he wants to do. It, you would think someone would be able to say, this is what I've gotten done. This is the reforms that I've made. These are the laws that I've passed. These are the things that I've instituted. Instead, he walks away from his record. He flips onto multiple sides of the same issue. My goodness, fracking? The guy's for fracking. He's against it. He wants to phase it out. He wants to slowly do it. He'll never do it, and he's definitely for it all at the same time. Yeah, well, that's uh, typical. And meanwhile, on the stump, He's making mistakes. I mean, he has that for a couple of days. He starts make doing, making some mistakes that I can't even understand. Listen. You may remember I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, uh, the governor, okay? And I took him on. Anybody, no one's face to be questioned. That's Mitt Romney. I guess he's not going on Jeopardy tonight. You forget <laughs> no, Mitt but Romney? He, he, also couldn't, he also couldn't remember what office he was running for. He said, I'm a proud Democrat running for the Senate. There's, I mean, no, I there's no quit in America. There's none. In America, we can do anything that we need to do if we can do it together. Nothing can stop us. You know, we have to come together. That's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. Right. Uh, the little problem is he already did uh, that a million times. And he's, you know, Kamala Harris is the only one who's laughing about this. She's sitting there going, yep. And remember, you were also running for vice president again, and then we made a deal where I'd be president. And he's going to go, oh, okay. So, Sean, tell me about your book. So it's called Leading America. It's obviously out right now. You can get it on Amazon as of this morning. Go out there, uh, order it. And, and it makes the case as to what's at stake, a lot of what we're talking about. It talks about cancel culture. It talks about educate the education system, the media, how journalists 
are what they are, and we just talked about that. But I actually walked through, and when you read the book, you're going to have an aha moment and say, now I get why they are who they are. Because if you look at how they're taught in journalism school and how those newsrooms operate, you get it. We look at big tech, corporate America, Hollywood, and I spend an entire chapter talking about my own experience on Dancing with the Stars and going to Hollywood and what it's been like. Uh, so it, it, I, it really, I think, gives people an insight into what's going on in the world and why all these policies matter. When you uh, look right now at the president getting four more years, a lot of people are saying, why is he such a one-man show? Where, where are the other loyal senators? And he's got a lot. And governors. Where is Ducey uh, uh, of uh, Arizona? Where is Governor DeSantis of Florida? Where is uh, Tim Scott and Rick Scott? Where's Marco Rubio and Nikki Haley? We see Governor Nome a lot, but there's a lot of assets that could be deployed, whether it's introducing, appearing with him or working for him. Where are they? I think that's an excellent question, Brian. I hadn't even thought of that until you just brought it up. I mean, you're right. you got all these folks out there that are glad to get his endorsement when they're facing a primary or need some help during their elections. But I, I don't know. Some of them may have personal circumstances. It's a great question, though, because I do wonder. You're right. I see Christy Noem out there all the time. But I wonder where these other folks are, especially, you know, it's a good question in Arizona. Where's Doug Ducey? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not paying attention to it like you are, but it is definitely a really interesting question. But uh, you're saying your life is such more, much more full than mine is, and that I'm focusing on things that really aren't any of my business. <laughs> you mean that or the governors? Uh, that too, uh, Sean. Well, I, thanks so much. Hey, uh, yeah, Brian, good luck with the book. Uh, pick it up. It's thank called you. Leading America. Sean Spicer, thank Brian, you. Meanwhile, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We'll finish up with some calls. We'll bring you the latest from uh, the justice hearings that are now in technically day three, but two. Uh, day two of the questioning among Republicans and Democratic senators. Today, they keep it to just 20 minutes. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, we all welcome the fact that your family's here. It's a beautiful family. Thank Take you Take care, so much. everybody. Thanks, Thank Mr. You, Chairman. People being nice. People are just being nice. And I think that they realize this is done. I think the antics are going to happen in this quorum stuff. When they don't show up for the committee vote, when they don't show up for the House vote, when they delay it another day, when they have to go and uh, let's say have the emergency to deal with, they want to get this coronavirus rescue package done, something that will delay it will really put it right to November 3rd. So far, they understand. I think they realize they must have huddled up and said, we're not going to score anything here. We've already done everything we needed to do unless there's that new revelation, the Kavanaugh type of uh, Blazy Ford revelation. This is going to go through, right? No, I think you're absolutely correct. And I really hope they don't pull the you know procedural shenanigans because if it's going to go through anyway, why waste our time? Can we finally just talk about the issues? Why don't you pass a stimu- stimulus bill, help the people of America, something? Yeah, and then uh, you win election, just line up seven more justices. How hard can that be? Meanwhile, we did not bring bring this up. 
Uh, right now, America's hurting. Republicans and Democrats, they don't care with the party. They don't care about the president. They know that their deli, their health club, their restaurant, they're an actor, they're on Broadway, they're a lighting person, they're working in the trains, they're empty, they're working on the subways, no one's there. We're seeing the layoffs, and the pain is everywhere. So they need another rescue package. All agree. But Nancy Pelosi's not budging. And guess who she went off on? Wolf Blitzer. Listen to this. Cut 29. Is that what this is all about? Uh, not allow the president to take credit if there's a deal that no, will help millions of Americans that. right now? He's not that important. But let me say this. With all due respect... With all due respect, and you know we've known each other a long time, you really don't know what you're talking about. If the plural of anecdote is not data. Yes, there's some people who said this or that. Overwhelmingly, my caucus wants what is right for the American people. Overwhelmingly, our chairman who wrote the bill, read their statements. They all put out their own statements when they saw what the White House was proposing. So do a service to the issue and have some level of respect for the people who have worked on these issues, written the bill. What about the other people that came up with the $1.8 trillion and you're at $2.4 trillion? What about those other people that looked at your bill and said you're giving health care to illegal immigrants? And uh, you're financing things like the post office that they have come out and said we don't need the extra money. But it got worse from there with Wolf Blitzer, of all people, cut 30. Ro Khanna, a man you know well, I assume you admire him, he's a Democrat, and he just said this, he said, people in need can't wait until February. $1.8 trillion is significant and more than twice the Obama stimulus. Make a deal, put the ball in McConnell court. So what do you say to Ro Khanna? What I say to you is, I don't know why you're always an apologist, and many of your colleagues apologize for the Republican position. Ro Khanna, that's nice. That isn't what we're going to do, and nobody's waiting till February. I want this very much now, because people need help now. Ro Khanna is a surrogate for Bernie Sanders. Ro Khanna has that left-wing group that's organized with AOC and the squad. Ro Khanna came out and said, just get $1.8 trillion, put it in the bloodstream. And he says, that's nice. How did, it's how dare you question me? And she says, you and your Republican covering for Republicans? Does she know she's on CNN with the most, under, the most left-leaning so-called news anchor on CNN? The rest are opinion people. I assume people understand that Don Lemon is a Democrat. But it got worse than that. Cut 31. It's about millions of Americans who can't put food on the table, who can't pay the rent. And we represent them. And we represent them. Getting by these long food lines that we're seeing. I know you are. I'm I'm just saying. We represent them, and we know them. As we We say, we know them. We represent them. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say. It is nowhere near perfect. Madam Speaker, always the case, but we're not even close to the good. All right, let's see what happens because every day is critically, critically important. Thanks so much Thank for joining us. Thank you for your us. sensitivity to our constituents' needs. I am sensitive to them because I see them on the street begging for food, begging for money. Madam Speaker, thank Have you so you much. Have you fed them? We feed them. Yeah, you feed them with what? You step over them. Your chopper lands on your heliport in your house, perhaps, or you land in the city of San Francisco and walk over the 10 cities to your mansion. You're not helping them. You're not, none of your policies are helping us. And if you can't get along on CNN as the Democratic Speaker of the House, the most partisan in my lifetime, you got problems. She is a woman that's not used to be approached. She's feeling pressure from the left for the last three weeks. The president said... 
I admit to you, confusingly, first break off the negotiations, then go bigger than she wants, and it totally has thrown her off. And when you're arguing with CNN as a Democrat, you have hit a new low, and you might need to regroup and recalibrate. By the way, most of the people listening to me couldn't care less about Wolf Blitzer and Nancy Pelosi. They just need a little bit of a hand because they never thought they couldn't make the rent when it, with their boutique health club or their hair salon or their deli or, their, or, or they're an actor and can't even waiter to make ends meet. They, they do nothing. Not acceptable. Still hopeful something will happen. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Let me just try to get that reverb out. And I'll do that right now. Okay. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. There we go. That should do it. We're watching Amy Coney Barrett, and she has uh, has our hearings well underway. We've watched uh, three or four senators speak to her. So far, no blows landed. It's going to be about 20 minutes each today. Yesterday's round was 30 minutes. John Yu at the bottom of the hour to see how it's going. Barring anything like a tape, barring anything about writing that could change someone's opinion about her opinion about what kind of justice she'll be, I can't imagine her not floating right through. But something procedurally that holds her over, I can't imagine that she doesn't get this done before November 3rd. And it's pretty significant. That means for the President of the United States to be getting three Supreme Court justices. And it will also show you a tactic you used in 2016 is so effective. And that is, here are my judges. You elect me. This is exactly who I will put in Scalia's seat. You elect me. That's exactly who I will put in the next seat, Justice Kennedy's seat. These are the people that are my finalists. And he keeps expanding the list. And he's done exactly that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Make a deal. Put the ball in McConnell court. So what do you say to Rokon? What I say to you is, I don't know why you're always an apologist, and many of your colleagues, apologists for the Republican position. And that's you, Don Lemon. You know exactly who she's talking to, Chris Cuomo. You right-wing apologist, Joe Scarborough. What channel am I? What planet am I on? COVID-9, rescue aid is needed, but negotiations are deadlocked, and it's pretty obvious The blocker-in-chief, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is to blame. She thinks she can ride it out, but there's a lot of people suffering every day. And while we speak about COVID-19, a second wave sacks Europe. 100,000 cases yesterday, and disturbing numbers here show it's not close to going away in America. Number two. I ask you to do me a favor. Suburban women, will you please like me? Number three. 2020, Trump takes his re-election roadshow to Pennsylvania, where a loud capacity crowd, you just heard them, lets him get some much-needed help. Meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to bore. That's why Barack Obama will hit the trail. But wait, can an explosive story in the New York Post involving, get this, the Ukraine, Hunter Biden and crack blow a massive hole in Joe's campaign? Number one. 
You know, most of us have multiple notebooks and notes and books and things like that in front of us. Can you hold up what you've been referring nope. to and answering our questions? Is there anything on it? Uh, that letterhead that says United States Senate. That's, imp- that's impressive. That's impressive, as was she all of yesterday. Amy Coney Barrett. It took 11 hours, but Amy uh, got through, passed her way through the day one exam in her attempt to become the ninth Supreme Court justice. I'll bring you the highs, the lows of today's action and what happened yesterday. So there's a lot of give and take. To give to sum it up, and I, I know a lot of you are so into this, I don't want to review it for you and have you roll your eyes and say, I heard this already as you drive around and do your errands or go to work. But just know this. She's, she's being challenged on her prior criticism of John Roberts' decision to uphold Obamacare. She is being uh, skewered about her sense on Roe v. Wade and how it relates to her religion. She's being looked at and explored as somebody who's a surrogate for the president of the United States because in 2015 he said, I'll appoint, he tweeted out, I'll appoint a justice that will destroy Obamacare. So that makes it difficult for her, but doesn't seem to be difficult for her. She seems to be handling it quite well. And I think the things that stood out is the fact that she handled all of it and didn't really, uh, everyone's just so polite. It was just a relief for me to be so polite. To hear people be so polite, not step on each other. Even Hirono with her ridiculous question about, has anyone ever sued you for sexual assault? Enough. That was, that was the beginning. It was finished just through. But I want to bring up Sheldon Whitehouse because he didn't ask any questions. The, re- the Democrat from Rhode Island brought up a bunch of charts, many of which he dropped, by the way, and talked about the dark money involved in the justices. Cut 12. We have, again, anonymous funders running through something called the Judicial Crisis Network, which is run by Carrie Severino. It got a single $17 million donation in the Garland-Gorsuch contest. It got another single $17 million donation to support Kavanaugh. Somebody, perhaps the same person, spent $35 million to influence the makeup of the United States Supreme Court. Tell me that's good. The legal groups, all the same funders over and over again bringing the cases, and providing this orchestrated, orchestrated chorus of amici. Guess who jumped in to take over the selection process in this case? For Judge Barrett, Carrie Severino made the hop. Which, by the way, she was our Monday guest. Good job, Allison and Pete and uh, Eric. Uh, So she was our guest. Now, here's the problem. The facts don't bear out. In terms of super PAC donations on the 2020 election, the Dems have $194 million, $450,222 to them. The Republicans have $25 million. That's a big difference. Top organizations funding super PACs in 2020, uh, most of them are Democratic super PACs funding this. Out of the top ten, one, two, three. Two are Republicans, Republican super PACs. So Ted Cruz goes next and says this, cut 13. Here are some facts. Of the top 20 organizations spending money for political speech in the year 2016, 14 of them gave virtually all of their money to Democrats. And another three split their money evenly. So only three of the top 20 gave money to Republicans. What did that mean in practice? That meant the top 20 super PAC donors contributed $422 million to Democrats and $189 million to Republicans. Those who give these impassioned speeches against dark money don't mention that their side is funded by dark money 
with a massive differential. Yes. Good job, Ted Cruz. So let's fast forward to 2020. What most of the polls you see show the president really having a tough time from Georgia to North Carolina to Florida to Michigan to Wisconsin, uh, Ohio. Slight leader just trailing, slight leader just trailing. Or they have Wisconsin six, eight points. They have Michigan, same thing. I don't believe it. In fact, to talk to somebody with internal polls and they say it's a lot closer. They think that he's still got ground to make up, but he can do it. So the president is saying, give me the appearances, Jason Miller, and he did. Last night was brilliant in Pennsylvania, strong in Orlando. He has fun on the stump, and I just love the way people report as if they've never seen him before. No, he's not George Bush, and he's not Al Gore, and he's not John Kerry. He exaggerates. He acts out. He is different. That's why he doesn't have supporters. He has fans. And that bothers politicians because he has not become a politician. He's been told that he's losing suburban women because he's too brusque. So guess what he says? 19. I ask you to do me a favor. Suburban women, will you please like me? Remember? Please. Please. I saved your damn neighborhood, okay? The other thing, I don't have that much time to be that nice. You know, I can do it, but I got to go quickly. We don't have time. They want me to be politically correct. Oh, yes, let's discuss it. Let's talk about it over the next 10 years. No, he doesn't. He's got 20 days, and he's got to make it up. So rather than beat around the bush and do things that suburban women might like and not realize, he actually asked them to support him. And the more Joe Biden continues to not answer questions like, are you going to get rid of the filibuster? Are you going to uh, pack the Supreme Court? Are you going to support adding additional states? Are you going to support adding congressional districts to the House of Representatives? Or are you going to go back into the Iranian deal? Uh, are you going to go to the Paris climate change where our tax dollars are going to go to, over- to overseas to countries that are not adhering to any of these climate conditions that we are anyway without being in this global conglomerate? So that's the problem. And Joe Biden also has a problem, which he's at this point in his career. I'm not sure he was ever good. He cannot answer any questions. For example, Gallup comes out with a poll over the weekend that said 54 percent of the country, even on the downside of the pandemic, are happy and said their lives are better economically than they were four years, uh, three and a half years ago. So Joe Biden gets this Gallup poll. He liked to diminish it and say it's Rasmussen or a right-wing poll. But Gallup is not a right-wing poll. Gallup is the biggest name in polling. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's the biggest. So listen to what he says for the millionth time. Cut 20. So why should people who feel that they are better off today under the Trump administration vote for you? Well, if they think that, they probably shouldn't. They think 54 percent of American people are better off economically today than they were in our administration. Well, their memory is not very good, quite frankly. <laughs> this is a guy that can't remember Mitt Romney's name, but he's telling people that believe their lives are better don't have good memories. What it is is an expanding economy, not a perfect economy. Our debt was too high, but we were getting there. What they did with the tax cuts was not to give tax to the rich. They gave it to corporations that employ everyday American people. And those corporations were small businesses, too, which I think the number's right. Seventy-plus percent of the economy is fueled by small business. So you could sit there and say it's for the rich, but it's not. I think they lost one percentage from 39 to 38. That is it. Most of it was middle class. So – Don't tell people they have a bad memory and stop telling people to vote for somebody else like you've done in the past. When challenged, Joe quits. I like you and I'm going to support you if you win the nomination because we've got to get rid of Trump. 
But what are we going to do about climate change? Now, I, you say you say you're against pipelines, but then you want to replace these gas lines. That's not going to work. We can't. We, we got to stop building and replacing pipelines. We got to go vote for somebody else. All right. Thanks so much, sir. Go vote for somebody else. What about I'm going to earn your vote? What about I'm going to be I'm going to be a, a candidate. I'm going to be a president for everybody. Oh, you don't like my policy? You think your life's better? You don't know your life's better. I'll tell you if your life's better if I can remember my life at 77. Here is Carl Rove in light of the new Joe Biden strategy of telling people to challenge him uh, to vote for somebody else. Cut 26. By comparison, in 2012, in the final months of Barack Obama's reelection, that number was 45 percent. And in 2004, just before Bush got reelected, it was 47 percent. But 56 percent, it says something about the sense of prosperity and the sense that we're better off and life is better and, and the opportunities are bigger and we got more opportunity for our family and our future and our community to, to, today, even with all the difficulties we've got. It shows the strength of the economic issue, the issue of who can better restart the economy is one that, that Donald Trump can beat Joe Biden on. There's a lot going on out there. If you don't want to vote for President Trump, fine. If you change your opinion or you like Joe Biden, that's great. But just don't not vote because you think it's a hopeless cause. Because this thing is a lot closer. You don't announce in Sanford, Sanford, Florida, one day before an appearance you're coming and get thousands to show up. Same thing with Jones, Johnstown. Uh, Jonestown, Pennsylvania, and I guarantee you you're going to get a huge crowd in Des Moines where they say that the president won, but he's in a dead heat now. Through all this and through the coronavirus and everything else and all the attacks and the Mueller and the impeachment, all that stuff, they still like him. And 85 percent of Republicans support him. You watch 60 Minutes, you think they're all part of the Lincoln Project. they Republicans that can't take it anymore. But it's not the truth. Just vote the way you want. Do not be intimidated or discouraged into not voting at all. Back in a moment with your calls. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Eight months ago, Joe Biden was left for dead. He made his last stand in South Carolina. That turned to be a slingshot, vaulted him to the front of the pack. And then they basically went into lockdown. And you remember the criticisms of Joe Biden that he was hiding in his basement. Remember, it was David Axelrod and David Pluff, two engineers of the Obama campaign that dinged him back in May. But the Biden campaign held fast. They had a theory of the case and they held fast. And that's put him in the position he is today where... He's the front runner. He's up in most of the polls. He hasn't, though, faced the kind of scrutiny in the general election and the kind of hard questions from the press corps that previous candidates had. Now, what the Biden campaign will say is he got roughed up quite a bit during the primary, and that's true. But remember, there was like a three-month stretch there where he didn't take any re- uh, questions from his traveling uh, reporters. So, yes, he's lucky. 
And also, the traveling reporters, when they did get a shot at him, asked him the most softball questions ever. They're just so they're they're mockable. Then he does a town hall uh, with NBC, and they give him a series of layups that I've never seen before. And it turns out the whole. Town Hall was rigged with his supporters, and now he's going to go tomorrow, instead of a debate, inexplicably, even in retrospect, the debate committee decides they're going to do it remote. The president rejects it last Thursday, so there's no debate tomorrow. So he skates to the 22nd, and if he's up big, which I don't think he is, but if he's up big, I bet you he leaves on that. But you're right. Joe Biden did get roughed up, and he never bounced back. The only reason they pulled him back up is they left him alone at the debate stage because he was no longer a contender, like they did Ben Carson. When Ben Carson was no longer a contender, he kept saying, please challenge me, because no one wanted to challenge him because they liked him, and he was not a frontrunner anymore. Marco Rubio was a frontrunner. Chris Christie took him apart. He was down for the count. So now when, when Bernie Sanders emerged, Joe Biden was the only alternative. He didn't earn it. He was the fallback. And that is Axios speaking out about what we all know. Drew, listening on the app in Monterey, California. Hey, Drew. Hey, how you doing? Good. Hey, um, I've been driving across America, and you know, you're talking about the polls and how skewed they are. Well, if it's anything to do with the signs, I've seen one Biden-Harris sign. I've driven from California. I'm now in Virginia, 3,000 miles. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of Trump signs, one Biden sign. Even in Monterey? You're in Monterey, California. Is it different there? Um, definitely different there. But I'm driving to Maine, and uh, I went to Tucson and Austin and Nashville. And all along the way, it's uh, Trump, 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 flags, uh, marquees, signs everywhere. One single Biden sign the entire time. Well, Drew, a couple of things they have, and thanks for the call, and I appreciate it. Uh, but Facebook, they've uh, it looks like the Trump team is doubling down on Facebook. They've now bought more ads than Biden, number one. And number two is if they do not, if, uh, if Trump comes out and wins this thing, forget about polling forever. Susan in Maryland. Susan. Brian, good morning. I wanted to talk to you about the senior vote. I believe those polls are skewed as well. And reason being, I am a senior. I'm a young senior. I have senior friends in every age group, men and women throughout this country. I have not spoken to one who is going to vote for Biden or who is afraid of what Trump might do to their Social Security and Medicare. It is Biden who wants to give Medicare to all. It is Biden who wants to give a Social Security check to illegals. The seniors, they know what they're doing. Those polls are not accurate. And but if you tell a senior we're putting America first, I don't think they get mad at you. If you tell a senior we're going to try to control our borders and control the amount of people coming in and out of the country, they don't usually lose their temper with you. They were upset by the president's handling of the pandemic. That is the perception. But maybe he can change that by saying you can get it, you can beat it, and look at me, I'm back out, and I'm tackling it. Not saying those who lost their lives uh, are worthless. Not at all. That's not his intent anyway. Exciting time. Thanks so much for being here. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Back in a moment with John Yu. Come on, man. 
Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I have not committed to anyone or so much as signaled. I've never even written. I've been in a couple of opinions in the Seventh Circuit that have been around the edges of election law. But I haven't even written anything that I would think anybody could reasonably say, oh, this is how she might resolve an election dispute. And I would consider it, let's see, I certainly hope that all members of the committee have more confidence in my integrity than to think that I would allow myself to be used as a pawn to decide this election for the American people. Amy Coney Barrett yesterday on Capitol Hill, of course, that was day one of the full hearings, but day two, considering her opening statements. And she was really strong yesterday. She's off to a great start today. Dick Durbin is now questioning her. Earlier on, uh, Diane Feinstein, the ranking member, got in, and Senator Lindsey Graham was able to welcome everyone here. We also saw Senator John Cornyn speak. So we'll go back and forth, and we'll see in 20 minutes if they could uh, do some damage to her if you're a Democrat that they weren't able to do in 30 minutes yesterday. John Yu joins us now. He's with the Emanuel S. Heller Professor of, of Law at the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, John, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Great to be with you again. He's author of Defender-in-Chief, Donald Trump's Fight for Presidential Power. John, are you guys doing all remote learning at at Berkeley? or? Yes, that's it's great that way. We also don't have any protesters at school like usual because they can't do it over Zoom. Right, and they can't do it today or yesterday, or Monday with Amy Coney Barrett. <laughs> That's right. I think you're seeing, a, a, I think, a great candidate, great nominee, who's a woman of high intelligence and experience and accomplishments. And so that's why you're seeing, I think, Democratic senators in particular <clears throat> are floundering around trying to find some angle to attack her. And since they tried religion last time, they attacked her about her Catholicism. They saw a terrific response in the country against them for that. Um, now they've been trying to ask her about the Affordable Care Act, about Obamacare, which uh, is going to be only one tiny aspect of the kind of cases that she's going to decide. And now today, uh, as far as I can tell, they've been asking her questions about elections, how the Supreme Court might intervene in the elections if there's a crisis. Again, this is something that no nominee from Justice Ginsburg who created the Ginsburg rule on, has said, I can't promise or tell you how I will vote in cases in the future. And that's something that both Republican-nominated and Democratic-nominated judges have said for many, many years. And I think that's the right answer if we want to respect the independence of the judiciary. And just to give you an idea of the respectful nature of this hearing without people screaming, and I think by the nature of this, this mom of seven who is cool, calm, and collected, it just doesn't lend to, I'm so angry at you, I'm going to yell at you and talk over you, even though Kamala Harris did a couple of times. Just give you a sense of the tone today, Senator Dianne Feinstein uh, was able to ask her about severability. And, John, why don't you tell everyone what severability is first and to, well, how it relates to Obamacare? It's a great, it's, this is all to Amy Coney Barrett's advantage, as you say, because if they're going to ask her about technical questions like severability, I think she's already won because she knows way more about that than any senator. The question is, if a court uh, strikes down part of a federal law, 
does that mean only that provision of the federal law is unconstitutional, or is the whole thing, the entire act unconstitutional? This came up with the Obamacare law because the Obamacare statute was so large and complex, had so many moving parts from do you and I have to buy health insurance to how much money is the federal government going to give to states to expand Medicaid, on and on and on and on. Remember, it was so long that Nancy Pelosi said we have to pass a law to find out what was in it. So uh, the Supreme Court has said repeatedly now, twice now, that even if we strike down one provision of the Affordable Care Act, the rest of it can go on and keep working. So this is why it's so strange, I think, that Democratic senators keep threatening that if Amy Coney Barrett goes on the Supreme Court, the entire Affordable Care Act will go down because the Supreme Court has already said several times that it won't do that, that it would only take piece by piece and would only strike down one provision at a time. And I think uh, Judge Barrett accurately explained that that is the general approach of the court. Only two of the justices on the court have said that they would strike the whole law down, even other conservative justices. Chief Justice John Roberts, I'm not sure how conservative he is, but even Brett Kavanaugh have said that they would not strike an entire law. In fact, here she is explaining it. I think the doctrine of severability, as it's been described by the court, you know, serves a valuable function of trying not to undo your work when you wouldn't want a court to undo your work. Um, Severability strives to look at a statute as a whole and say, would Congress have considered this provision so vital that kind of in the Jenga game, pulling it out, Congress wouldn't want the statute anymore. So it's designed to effectuate your intent. But, you know, severability is designed to say, well, would Congress still want the statute to stand even with this provision gone? Would Congress have still passed the same statute without it? So I think insofar as it tries to effectuate what Congress would have wanted, it's the court and Congress working hand in hand. Thank you. That's quite a definition. I'm, I'm really impressed. Thank you. Senator Dianne Feinstein, did that slip? <laughs> I'm really impressed. <laughs> different from what she said three years ago when she claimed that the Catholic dogma dogma lived loud in Judge Barrett instead of her views of the law. So if she goes through here, John, what gymnastics can the Democrats try for in order to delay this confirmation, barring any uh, electrifying speech or revelation, Kavanaugh-style, blousy Ford, um, bogus distraction? If everything goes according to plan— what do Democrats have in their quiver? That's a great question, Brian. <clears throat> Let me put on my hat as a former staff person on that Judiciary Committee in the Senate. And so if every if the Democrats tried all the normal procedural things, they could try to you know not show up for the vote. They could try to deny quorums. They could try to ask for delays. Uh, I still think that this this nomination could get voted on. Uh, The week of October 26, about two weeks from now, the week right before the election, uh, that's as as long, I think, as Democrats could delay things unless something completely unknown and unforeseen came about, like what you said, what we saw Dr. Uh, Christine Blasey Ford's accusations of Brett Kavanaugh. Otherwise, I think uh, Amy Coney Barrett will be sitting on the Supreme Court in two two weeks from tomorrow. All right. A lot of people, John, that you work with in the Bush administration don't seem to be on board with the president. A lot of them make up the Lincoln Project, whether it's uh, Republican uh, pollsters or Republican pundits 
or staffers in the, in the, in the, or, or former secretaries like Colin Powell. Why is it, uh, even though 85% of Republicans are with the president, why do you think there are so many people like Mitt Romney out there that just can't get behind the president? You know, that's something I talk about in this book of mine, this Defender-in-Chief book that came out over the summer about President Trump and the Constitution. And the argument I make there is that there are people who don't like the way President Trump conducts himself as a political figure. They don't like the way he tweets. They don't like his disruptive attitude towards Washington. They don't like his unorthodox uh, methods. But what I argue in the book is uh, what look at what his opponents are promising to do. Amy Coney Barrett's nomination is a great example. What's going on here is the president is nominating a position, nominating to fill a vacancy in a position. The Senate is moving to fill it. Totally constitutional, completely normal. What are what are the Democrats threatening to do in response? Pack the Supreme Court, add six new justices, you know, deprive the federal judiciary of its independence and integrity, and make it a political agent of whoever happens to win the White House and the Senate for four or six years. That's a completely over outrageous overreaction, threatens to destroy the institutions of made this one of the great countries and given one of responsible for one of our uh, you know most important traditions, the rule of law. It seems to me that uh, my friends who uh, in the Republican Party who are opposing Trump forget to, uh, to look at what the opposing party is promising to do should they take power. Absolutely. Lastly, I'm sure you don't have a chance to look at it, or at least I'm not sure, but you might have heard about it. And there's a story in the New York Post today that found that a guy in a Delaware repair shop who was dropped off a laptop last year because it had water damage, it turns out on the laptop, because no one came to pick it up, he found emails from the Ukraine with Hunter Biden involved, a raunchy video involving crack, which we know he did. Uh, video, which we don't need to go the detail of, but shows interaction between Hunter and this third-ranking official at Burisma. His name is Vadihin Pazarsky, Pazarsky, and talks about him needing his dad to get influence, thanking him for introducing his dad in Washington, uh, asking for him to get additional help, showing that uh, that Vice President Biden at the time was interacting directly with his son for his son's own gain. If these emails prove authentic and Steve Bannon was given them, who gave it to Rudy, who handed them over to the New York Post, and they believe they are authentic, what does it mean? Uh, I, I didn't know about this. I, I'm, uh, uh, I'm shocked to hear about it. And I think that it's certainly a matter that should be taken up uh, in Congress and in, in hearings and investigations. I think you know, there might be prosecutors or grand juries that might want to look into it to see if this is a – issue involving some kind of uh, bribery. Uh, It's hard to know, but it's certainly something that investigators in both uh, the Justice Department and Congress ought to be looking into to try to see if this pieces together with all the other information that's uh, coming out about Hunter Biden, unfortunately for him and fortunately for his family. Yeah, uh, I would like to add this. According to the story, the laptop was handed to the FBI in December of 2019, but he made a copy, and for some reason, I have no idea this guy's background, he handed it over to Steve Bannon, who handed it over to Rudy, and I have not seen much on it yet, and I'm shocked because I texted both of them. I have not heard back, but the New York Post is standing behind the story, John, so we'll see where this goes. At the very least, it shows a candidate who said, I have nothing to do with my son's businesses, was lying. 
uh, that could matter. Uh, John Yu, thanks so much. We'll look forward to seeing if there's any fireworks or if she does, in fact, coast to the Supreme Court. Thanks, John. Thank you, Brian. Great to be with you. Uh, Pick up his book, Defender in Chief. Uh, The president tweeted on it, really liked it. We come back. Your story, 1-866-408-7669. Go, you you know the thing. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. For an originalist and a textualist, that is clear text as I see it. But when asked whether or not the president has any authority to unilaterally deny that right to vote for a person based on race or even gender, are you saying you can't answer that question? Senator, I just referenced the 14th and 15th Amendments, the same one that you just repeated back to me, that do prohibit discrimination on the basis of race in voting. So, as I said, I don't know how else I can say it, the Constitution contains provisions that prohibit discrimination on the basis of race in voting. But whether a president can unilaterally deny, you're not going to answer yes or no. Well, Senator, you've asked a couple different questions about what the senator, uh, what the president might be able to unilaterally do, and I think that I really can't say anything more than I'm not going to answer hypotheticals. It strains originalism if the clear wording of the Constitution establishes a right and you will not acknowledge it. Well, Senator, it would strain the canons of conduct, which don't permit me to offer off-the-cuff reactions or any opinions outside of the judicial decision-making process. It would strain Article 3, which prevents me from deciding legal issues outside the context of cases and controversies. And as Justice Ginsburg said, it would display disregard for the whole judicial process. A little bit of the sparring going on with Dick Durbin, who is really upset this hearing's taking place, but he's been uh, well-prepared. Uh, questioning directly. They're desperately trying to get her to commit to some controversial decisions or recuse herself from two decisions in particular, uh, the November 11th hearing of the Obamacare. And right after that, if she had to play a role in breaking a tie between Biden and Trump. Mark, listening on the villages, in the villages. Hey, Mark. Hey, Brian, two quick things. Um, first of all, people in the villages are fired up. You know, I talked. I have many, many friends. Ninety-nine point nine percent are picking Trump. Maybe one for Biden. And secondly, these these college students, uh, I've talked to them as well. They're picking and choosing what works for them, than looking at the overall picture of what they're doing to this country. And I asked them, "What do you, you know, why'd you vote for Biden?" On a few of them, they said, "Oh, we voted for Biden because of um, the Green New Deal, um, free health care, pro-choice, and this and that." Instead of breaking it down and looking at it and really thinking about it. They're, they're going off the cuff and voting, and they really need to see what they're doing to this country in the future of their kids if they have kids. Well, I'll tell you what. They also want free college, and that's what, pre- that's what uh, Vice President Biden has promised them. But I want to add something else. I did see some video of pro-Biden uh, parades in the villages, and people say that's emblematic of the loss of senior support. You're seeing something different? Yeah, the, you're looking at small gatherings of them. You're looking at like um, 200 golf carts, but you got to look at the overall picture. They're in the thousands that are coming out in Miami, Tampa, on the lakes, at the ocean. They're, they're coming out in thousands. Yeah, you're not getting the right picture. The media is lying. 
to discourage people from going out and voting. That's exactly what they're doing. No, they're strong out here in the village. Again, I know hundreds of people in the villages, and 99.9% of them are picking Trump. And if you look at the signs around, you can count 10 to 15 a day to his one. So, yeah, you're, uh, getting, you're getting wrong pictures. All right, Mark, good, man. I, I love the uh, on-the-spot reporting because most of the general reporting, if you go to Drudge, you go to Washington Post and New York Times, basically Trump's finished uh, pulling out the string or has a losing hand. And I just hope, if that is the case, don't let it be because you stayed home and were discouraged and duped. Linda, listen on WDBO, where I was on this morning with Joe Kelly. Hey, Linda. Um, howdy. I have uh, a question for individuals who choose to blame uh, Trump for the state of the pandemic. And I don't know the answer if they those people would actually answer it. But the question is, do you feel that if Hillary were president, the pandemic situation would be better? Uh, It would be basically the same. And here's what I'm saying. You wouldn't have the turbo speed, warp speed program we have right now. Look at the New York Times today. There's a big story how we're so close to a vaccine and some of the things that have been done because of Project Warp Speed, what the administration has take uh, gets full credit for in the New York Times. So people are going to be critical. But just when you get critical, I point you to Europe. I point you to Australia. Now they have things some semi under control. I point you to uh, I point you to um, Vietnam. I point you to of every place in Europe except Sweden. And we hear about a resurgence in Russia. And we see about Iran being buried with this coronavirus. Let me ask you, who's doing it better? South Korea? You really compare South Korea's small section of a peninsula to America? Taiwan, who had a heads up on it because they got scientists quickly on the ground? Yeah, there's some things you could have done quicker. But please explain to me how France, Spain, uh, the U.K. are better off than us. It's not the case. Doug, KSEV, Houston, Texas. Doug. Right now, I, I, I wish that Amy would take an opportunity to pull a page from Biden's playbook. And the next time they ask her a question about Roe v. Wade or something like that, say, look, if I answer that question right now, <laughs> it'll take the focus off of the importance of appointing a new Supreme Court justice. And if you'd like to know my stance on that, I'll let you know it as soon as I'm confirmed. I would love that, Doug. That is very creative of you. Appreciate it. Over in Texas, where there's a lot of Democratic money in there, they're trying to buy your vote in South Carolina. They're trying to buy your vote in Texas. Don't be bought. Uh, vote with who you want, not because they have more commercials. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade, welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by Chris Starwell to refute everything and all my postulate, all my conclusions. He'll have the counterbalance to it. And Kennedy's going to be with us, too, if we can meet her salary demands. She is co-host of Outnumbered at 12 and host of her own show, Kennedy by all accounts, named after her. Uh, We are watching Amy Coney Barrett continue to do exceedingly well as she tries to become the ninth Supreme Court justice. Hard to imagine anything stopping that, but I think I'm on record of saying Kavanaugh could not be stopped 
and man, he almost was. I'm still not over that, and I wasn't even directly involved. And, of course, we're following the latest news about this story in the New York Post that Rudy Giuliani is now talking on television about, and that is a laptop that found emails that show Hunter Biden did directly set up Burisma executives with then-Vice President Joe Biden, his dad, which means he lied. And it gets worse if all these emails are to believe, be believed. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Make a deal, put the ball in McConnell court. So what do you say to Ro Khanna? What I say to you is, I don't know why you're always an apologist. And many of your colleagues, apologists for the Republican position. Uh <laughs> Uh, wow. Uh, COVID-19 aid, rescue aid is needed, but negotiations are deadlocked. And even CNN seems frustrated with the blocker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. While a second wave sacks Europe and disturbing numbers here show it's not close to going away. People need help. Number two. I ask you to do me a favor. Suburban women, will you please like me? <laughs> Number three. 2020, Trump takes his re-election roadshow to Pennsylvania, where a loud capacity crowd lets him know this fight is far from over. Meanwhile, low-key Joe Biden is about to get some much-needed help in the term, in the in the shape of Barack Obama as he hits the trail. But wait, an explosive story in the New York Post involving, guess what, the Ukraine, if true, could blow a massive hole in Joe's campaign. Number one. You know, most of us have multiple notebooks and notes and books and things like that in front of us. Can you hold up what you've been referring to and answering our questions? Is there anything on it? Uh, that letterhead that says United States Senate. That's, imp- that's impressive. <laughs> uh, it took 11 hours, but Amy Coney Barrett passed her day one exam, really day two overall, in her attempt to join the Supreme Court. I'll bring you the highs, the lows, and today's happenings. But first, let me bring in Kennedy. Speaking of happening, Kennedy, welcome back. Oh, Brian Kilmeade, I'm sorry that we're not there in person, but you didn't meet my salary demands, so we're doing it over the phone. Right, and I don't want to get into detail with it because that shows the other side of our business that I think people think we do this for free. And I don't like to bring up numbers, but it's a high number, and we do not have the biggest budget. (laughs) It is a huge number. Hey, last night, did you get your whole show in with with these hearings? Um. I watched the hearings all day. How about that? Oh, so you didn't do your show last night? No, not yet. All right, soon, right? Yeah, very soon. Very, very soon. Excitingly soon. All right, so I want you to hear what happened yesterday because there's so much wrong with this exchange. I don't know where to start, but if anyone can make sense of it, uh, the name is Kennedy. Uh, so I want you to hear an exchange where Wolf Blitzer hopped on with, asked Speaker Pelosi to come on and tell us the latest on the rescue package. When you see so many business owners, large and small, and individuals, when you see how empty the trains are, the subways are, when you see these cities evacuated, these ta- these statues falling, you understand how much how many people's lives have been turned on its head, and it's gotten to the, the best of people like me, you. And even Wolf Blitzer. So Nancy Pelosi hopped on to say, hey, you know, I'm, the president doesn't know what he's talking about. And I have I, I will have all great money for great people, but they just don't want to come to a deal. And then this happened. Cut 29. Is that what this is all about? Uh, not allow the president to take credit if there's a deal that no, will help millions of Americans that. right now? He's not that important. But let me say this. With all due respect, with all due respect, and, you know, we've known each other a long time. 
you really don't know what you're talking about. If the plural of anecdote is not data, yes, there's some people who said this or that. Overwhelmingly, my caucus wants what is right for the American people. Overwhelmingly, our chairman who wrote the bill, read their statements. They all put out their own statements when they saw what the White House was proposing. So do a service to the issue and have some level of respect for the people who have worked on these issues, written the bill. Wow. It doesn't sound like a woman who got $1.8 trillion offer, does it? Uh, that sounds like a person who doesn't realize that she has to make nice with the press in order for them to continue to carry water for her. And uh, it, it sounds like Wolf Blitzer and the rest of CNN realize that President Trump may not be reelected. And that is very bad news for them because it has allowed their journalists and a lot of journalists to be uh, lazy and essentially just follow what the president is doing with this, this hyper focus. And they're not going to have that anymore. They're going to have to switch back to journalism. And I think that's what Wolf Blitzer is realizing, that if they're not going to have an opposition party to easily attack every single day. And they're going to have to do the work. And you've also got a lot of people who are frustrated, who are caught in the middle of being tossed around as a political football, and Nancy Pelosi doesn't have a good answer for it. And despising the president is not an excuse for not negotiating when you've got people's lives and businesses that are very much on the line. And guess what? The president is moving. So the Republicans moving and the president made things, even though yesterday, last week was such a unnecessary distraction when he said break off talks. Since that time, they've moved up their number. And it's been pretty apparent in these battleground states from Cory Gardner to Joni Ernst to what we're seeing in North Carolina, there's people who are hurting through no fault of their own. And even though it's our taxpayer money and we're doing it on overdraft, they need it. So it got a little bit even more heated. Ro Khanna, a man you know well, I assume you admire him, he's a Democrat, and he just said this, he said, people in need can't wait until February. $1.8 trillion is significant and more than twice the Obama stimulus. Make a deal, put the ball in McConnell court. So what do you say to Ro Khanna? What I say to you is, I don't know why you're always an apologist, and many of your colleagues apologize for the Republican position. Rokana, that's nice. That isn't what we're going to do, and nobody's waiting till February. I want this very much now, because people need help now. Oh, he's an re- apologist for the Republican Party, Kennedy. I did not know Wolf Blitzer was working with Ronna McDaniel on a strategy to get Trump reelected. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a Republican who agrees with that statement. And I I don't think that that Wolf Blitzer has in the past been accused of being a GOP operative. The only thing I can imagine is she got confused. She thought she was talking to Sandra Smith uh, or or someone else at at Fox News and didn't realize that that she was on uh, the most— the, the network with the greatest liberal outreach next to MSNBC, and that's CNN. And you know, she's in very friendly territory there. Uh, it seems like bad strategy and an overly emotional reaction on her part to talk to Wolf Blitzer that way. Kennedy, it got worse. Come on. It's about millions of Americans who can't put food on the table, who can't pay the rent, 
and we represent them, and we represent them, and we represent them. These long food lines that we're seeing. I know you know them. I'm just saying. We represent them, and we know them. As we, we say, know them. We represent them. Don't let yes. the perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say. It is here nowhere in near perfect. Madam Speaker, always the case, but we're not even close to the good. All right, let's see what happens because every day is critically, critically important. Thanks so much Thank for joining us. Thank you for your us. sensitivity to yeah. our constituents' needs. I am sensitive to them because I see them on the street begging for food, begging for money. Madam Speaker, thank Have you so you much. Have you fed them? We feed them. <laughs> Kenny, is this irreconcilable? Are you recommending they break up? Uh, Yeah, actually, I am. And I hope there are more journalists and news organizations uh, that hold truth to power. I I think that's a really critical thing right now. And I hope every news organization has learned from uh, the jockeying with President Trump and the administration. I hope they do that with every single administration, every press secretary, every president. I hope they put the screws to them because that's what journalists are supposed to do with everyone. And if we reintroduce objectivity and skepticism back into our national dialogue, you might have more honest outcomes. Absolutely. But, Kennedy, I also thought it was interesting. She's actually presiding over her district, and I say presiding, uh, which is riddled with homeless in 10 cities that has been driven into the ground with taxes through the roof. At the same time, she sits there and takes her private plane back and forth to D.C., which is also riddled with homeless, as the city we are with, mentally ill and homeless, and those who have left Rikers Island because I guess it was too full. That is what has been left of her legacy, and that's what America is going to get if they elect Kamala Harris, also from San Francisco, and Joe Biden, who's not sure he's running for president or the Senate. So I was amazed by that exchange and amazed that she is surprised that people are challenging her. And the undercurrent is many challenging her are in her own caucus. Ro Khanna, people don't know, is a Bernie Sanders supporter, yes, but asking for her to meet Donald Trump halfway because they hear it not from politicians but from people. And I just thought that was so important, and I th- hope that is a, uh, a change in direction. But I doubt it for CNN, those right-wing Republicans. First off, and lastly, <laughs> uh, the, uh, Bill, Barr, uh, Bill Burr hosted, not William Barr. They could not reach his demands like we couldn't reach yours to get you in person. <laughs> he hosted SNL. If everyone's seen him, he did a stand-up to open up like he always does. Evidently, America is offended because he took on the cancel culture. Here's an excerpt, and I want to get your opinion. How stupid is that cancel thing? They're literally running out of people to cancel. They're going after dead people now. They're trying to cancel John Wayne. It's like, yeah, dude, God did that 40 years ago. They're all up in arms. They're like, did you hear what he said in that interview in Playboy in 1970? Can you believe that? It's like, yeah. He was born in 1907. That's what these people sounded like. You never talked to your grandparents and brought up the wrong subject, and all of a sudden it went off the rails. Like, oh, Just keep making the cookies. I think it's hysterical. Are you surprised America's offended? Yes, and it's it's nice to know that there are some people uh, who are still keeping comedy alive because comedy requires poking fun at people and things. That used to be okay. 
But now we have this idea that we have to be insulated and protected from every single slight. And if we're not, that that there has to be recourse. I just thought, I, I, I just think that I have helped you have a better day. I gave you Brian, po- just just know I couldn't sleep last night knowing that I was going to talk to you because I knew my day was going to be so great and complete. And, and now I'm going to have when our conversation ends a hole in my heart that I will try fruitlessly to fill <laughs> fruitlessly. Thank you. Uh, okay. I was on the five the last two days. You're on the five today. Yes, correct. Is there a reason? Uh, yes. Uh, my salary demands require that you and I are not on the five uh, <laughs> the same day this week. Sorry. You know what's sad? Uh, they have a salary cap for every show, and most of the money goes to Jesse. So it and leaves his hair. <laughs> right in his hair. Uh, Kennedy, I enjoyed our time together. Brian, can we do it again very soon, like in an hour? Right. Later? Maybe at lunch one day if we're allowed to see each other in person. All right, I'll wear the hazmat suit. <laughs> no problem. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Kennedy. Watch her tonight on The Five, the outnumbered pretty regularly, and her own show again on FBN. Meanwhile, Chris Dyerwald in 15 minutes, but you're next. one 408 Not only do I want your calls, I'm going to continue to watch the confirmation hearings. Uh, day two, full bore, Amy Coney Barrett, front and center. Now it's your turn. Give Brian a call. 866-408-7669. Our callers are the best. They're really smart. Much smarter than the hosts. Wait a second. (laughs) It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. On the Seventh Circuit, you are subject to a code of ethics, are you not? I am. And I presume you are okay with that? Of course. In fact, I would submit you probably think that's a good thing? Yes. And indeed, it is true of all the circuit courts that they're subject to uh, pretty much the same code of ethics, correct? Yes. Um... It gets different at the Supreme Court. Supreme Court is not subject to a code of ethics, is it? Um, the, the canons of judicial conduct that apply to lower court judges do not apply to the Supreme Court, although I do believe it's the practice of the Supreme Court to follow them. Yeah, they do, they do not apply, we agree. Um, and indeed, going to the Supreme Court can interrupt an ethics investigation, as we saw with Justice Kavanaugh, who had an ongoing ethics investigation in his circuit that was interrupted by his elevation to the Supreme Court without having concluded. Let me first ask you, there's no such thing with you, correct? We have no Seventh Circuit ethics investigation going on that would be interrupted by your elevation to the Supreme Court. Um, I'm not aware of any ethics I suspect you would be, so good. We can put that um, behind us. Sheldon Whitehouse. Uh, showing more show and tell. He's got a lot of cardboard, poster board again, uh, showing everybody uh, about what it takes to rise to the Supreme Court and how this rushed process uh, works against America. So I'm not sure what's going to be done. He's going to harass for another 15 minutes, but just want to give you some type of uh, a sense of what's going on on Capitol Hill. Uh, but I don't want to leave you there too long. Steve, listen on WRCN on Long Island. Steve. And 
Uh, it's obvious that the Senate cannot hit her judicially, but I was concerned by Senator Hirono of Hawaii's questions yesterday on sexual uh, questioning, and I'm just waiting today to see another Kavanaugh moment where they've dredged up some college student that she may have asked out for a date that didn't appreciate something, and I'm just waiting for that today to happen. I know. Uh, I know. We've all seen this so many times before, but I just don't see it with her. I think she's untouchable. I really do. Famous last word, Steve. If you're taping the show, get play it back. By the way, if you ever missed the show, go to BrianKillmeShow.com. You can just download the podcast or any guest. They say, and I don't believe it, but they say the average listener only listens for less than 15 minutes. So that's not fair because we do a three-hour show. So you need to hear it all every day. Carl, listening in Atlanta. Carl. Yes. Uh, first of all, the comment earlier from your our previous caller was talking about Hillary, uh, how she would have handled the yes, pandemic. virus. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, the Chinese probably wouldn't have released the virus in the first place had Hillary been in uh, office. But then again, and you know, nobody would have suffered. But that's like saying the disease is... I mean, the cure is worse than the disease. I know, Carl, but there's no proof as of now that they released it on purpose, although it does seem to be working for them. They seem to be the first major economy to recover. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they would not be nearly as tough on China, nearly as tough on Russia, even though the people don't like his policy with Russia. Look at what he's actually done. We have Chris Tyrewald next, and he's going to be bringing us inside this process and also talk about the president's fortunes. Don't move, and then we finish with your calls. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Have you seen the George Floyd video? I have. What impact did it have on you? Um, Senator, as you might imagine, given that I have two black children, that was very, very personal for my family. But you condemn white supremacy, correct? Yes. Thank you. I'm glad to see that you said that. I wish our president would say that so resolutely and unequivocally as well. Became a legal adult. Have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No, Senator Hirono. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No, Senator. And those are some of the most uh, the questions that really stood out and the answers that really stood out yesterday. Today, not real out of fireworks. Sheldon Whitehouse actually asked a question first time in 45 minutes, and he's still finishing up his days. He wants to make sure that the outside interest will not affect her. And she just uh, he made an assumptive phrase, once you're on the Supreme Court. It looks, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, it looks like she is on her way. Chris Starwell, political editor for Fox News, um, and he is uh, does the halftime report every day. Chris, welcome back. What up? Chris, first off, uh, so far so good if you're Amy Coney Barrett uh, supporter? Yeah, she's killing it. Uh, she really is. She has what is what seems like a photographic memory. Uh, she is, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting about Barrett and how Feminism has has changed how gender roles have changed, all this stuff. 
she is unapologetically proud of her accomplishments. There's not any of the kind of apologetic, you know, she, we were told that this was a, you know, the, the a figure from the handmaiden's tale and all this stuff. She is a, she is a, well, it's a, a, a boss, right? And she, she likes it and she's proud of it. And it's interesting to see, it was interesting to see how Democrats assumptions about her uh, were undone in her answers. So I think she's doing very well. Yeah, I mean, listen to ranking member uh, uh, Diane Feinstein as she asks a question on severability and listen to her explanation, then response. I think the doctrine of severability, as it's been described by the court, you know, serves a valuable function of trying not to undo your work when you wouldn't want a court to undo your work. Um, severability strives to look at a statute as a whole and say, would Congress have considered this provision so vital that kind of in the Jenga game, pulling it out, Congress wouldn't want the statute anymore. So it, it's designed to effectuate your intent. But, you know, severability is designed to say, well, would Congress still want the statute to stand even with this provision gone? Would Congress have still passed the same statute without it? So I think insofar as it tries to effectuate what Congress would have wanted, it's the court and Congress working hand in hand. Thank you. That's quite a definition. I'm, I'm really impressed. Thank you. Oops. I, <laughs> I thought it was going to be the loyal opposition. Uh, so, Chris, I like this. I mean, this is the way it should be, right? Well, of course, if I had my way, there'd be no cameras in the committee room. And there wouldn't probably yeah. even be here. There wouldn't be hearings on Supreme Court nominations. Basically, the Senate's the 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 proper role for the Senate on a, on nomination should be to basically check and make sure there's not corruption or incompetent that that you have a person who is uh, ethically and uh, uh, fit and has the capabilities necessary for the job, and then give the president his nominees. And that's how it should work. Uh, that's how it used to work. And you know, going back certainly to the Robert Bork hearings, uh, Supreme Court nomination hearings, we saw it with Brett Kavanaugh. These things have been travesties. Uh, at best, they're hollow showpieces, right, where you have people trying to make score political points. Uh, at worst, they turn into what Clarence Thomas called a high-tech lynching. Uh, they're pointless, and they should be done away with. Although the American people do want to know who's going to get that permanent job in the Supreme Court. Uh, so I understand a little of that. But right now, do you believe if this was open and there's no coronavirus, people would be screaming in the background, holding up signs, taking off their tops? Well, dopes are dopes. And you can't really do anything about the existence of we uh, for, for uh, 100,000 years. Uh, our species has tried to eliminate dopes, but uh, they, like the poor, will, will always be with us. <laughs> All right. So there's a story in Axios today where it talks about Joe Biden being the luckiest, least examined presidential candidate in recent memory, and a guy with probably, my words, the most vulnerable. When you see him on the stump, he, didn't, he forgets Mitt Romney's name. I think that's kind of unusual. When he forgets that he's running for president and runs for senator, that's kind of different. When he goes to sounds and he attracts four people and local news reporters, you realize he didn't have to travel. He might as well have stayed in his basement. When you have a vice presidential nominee who refuses to do interviews and much campaigning, who his wife has actually done more than Kamala Harris, whether she has to work or not, I find that unusual. Even Axios points that out. Hans Nichols uh, of Axios was on another network today and said this, cut 27. Eight months ago, Joe Biden was left for dead. 
He made his last stand in South Carolina. That turned to be a slingshot, vaulted him to the front of the pack. And then they basically went into lockdown. And you remember the criticisms of Joe Biden that he was hiding in his basement. Remember, it was David Axelrod and David Plouffe, two engineers of the Obama campaign that dinged him back in May. But the Biden campaign held fast. They had a theory of the case, and they held fast. And that's put him in the position he is today where he's the front runner. He's up in most of the polls. He hasn't, though, faced the kind of scrutiny in the general election and the kind of hard questions from the press corps that previous candidates had. Now, what the Biden campaign will say is he got roughed up quite a bit during the primary, and that's true. But remember, there was like a three-month stretch there where he didn't take any re uh, questions from his traveling uh, reporters. So, yes, he's lucky. And when the reporters did ask questions, they were not tough. And he did not ask any, uh, let any Fox reporter ask a question. So outside Doug McElway and then Doug uh, mysteriously retired. Why he retired ah. after that question, I do not know. <laughs> but I would love for you to refollow that story. Chris, having said that, is, is everything I said correct? And did Axios just back it up or vice versa? Well, I mean, look, first of all, Doug uh, retired after a great career. And that didn't, just to be clear, that didn't have anything to do with anything. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying it was a great Doug. question. It was a great uh, question. Uh, so here's the deal. Um, if, what's the line? If a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his butt when he hopped. Uh, the, it is true. Joe Biden has gotten away with a, the least. Yes impressive yep. uh, presidential campaign in many ways uh, of the modern era. He has run like it was the 1920s, right? Uh, he stays home. He doesn't run. He doesn't run for president. He stands for office uh, and has has gotten the same kind of treatment like he was Warren Harding. And uh, that is all true. But we have to remember why. Part of it is, of course, that there are biased reporters who want to do, you know, who are uh, uh, protecting him and all that other stuff. But no 24-hour period can ever go by without Donald Trump exploding, right? And he never lets Biden... You'll see in the closing weeks as reporters try... They will be stung by this criticism. And you've already seen... Uh, you know, you saw Jake Tapper. You, you'll see more rough treatment with Biden and getting hard with Biden to just make sure that as going into the closing stretch that they can point to say, well, we were tough with them about this. And we did that. There, there will be a correction there. There's no doubt. But we have to remember that what made it possible was that every time it seemed like the focus, you can think about this in the first debate, every time it seemed like Biden was about to fall off a cliff, Trump rescued him by jumping in. Yeah, I know. In retrospect, you're right. Stuff. But you got to yeah. admit, the debate committee prematurely deciding they could not have the debate tomorrow was farcical. I don't know. I Look, I think gi given what's going on with coronavirus cases in the United States right now, and given the debate commission's aversion to infection and given the fact that the people in the Trump campaign wouldn't wear masks at the first one, I don't think the rest of us have learned right. to, to do Zoom meetings and be online. I don't think that was a, a some cruel right. abuse. And also Trump would have been fine doing it. Right. He would have been fine doing it. It probably would have been a, a format that favored him. Um, but he didn't do it. They they were quick on the draw to say no. I think it was a mistake. I think that right now he'd be a lot better off having this debate, right. uh, even if it was virtually, than sitting it out. And, and how, going to go how talk stupid to is whoever. it that they're doing town halls, both of them? 
at the right. same time, instead of debating each other, the debate committee really should be embarrassed, and the Trump, the Trump team should have talked to him about not committing either way and let at least sit for 24 hours. Chris, right. lastly, uh, lastly, uh, Steve Scully, uh, are you helping him with investigation on his hacked Twitter account? You know, I don't know anything about it, and the 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 good the good thing for everyone to remember, if the if the past five years have taught us anything, the answer is never tweet, never ever ever tweet. Twitter is a irredeemable sewer, and everyone should just go as far <laughs> go as far away from it as they can. Uh, I think that that would be my point of view about Twitter and tweeting. And right, and Chris Starwell's halftime report brought to you by Facebook. And I think there might be, <laughs> I think you might have been bought. No, you're 100% right. Uh, he thought he was tweeting directly to Scaramucci. He tweeted to the world, and now it looks like he claimed to be hacked, and the FBI now has this story. Good luck with that. Uh, Chris, thanks so much. It's been a typical, incredible week of news. Typically incredible. That's how I think of you. It's very nice. I should make a T-shirt. <laughs> I appreciate it. I think the Biden people right. are already making T-shirts. Thank They're you. On it. Hey, 1-866-408-7669. Rudy Giuliani has just spoken for the first time that I know of about the story in the, in the New York Post headlines, exclusive, that said they have emails of Hunter Biden interacting with a third-ranking executive with Burisma and talked about a visit set up with his dad, who said he never ever helped him or knew about any overseas business operation. According to the globe I have on my desk, you have to go over a sea to get to the Ukraine. There's no topic he won't touch and there's no opinion. He won't engage it's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's probably the biggest, um, highest level scandal so far this century. It, it happens at the highest levels of two governments, the United States and Ukraine. It's clear that Biden bribed the president of Ukraine to drop the case on his son and on Mykola Zloshevsky, the multi-billionaire who was paying him. And then it's going to move on to China and Iraq, where similar things happened. And in China, there was much more money involved, much more. The Biden family has for five years been business partners, either with the Chinese government or with high-level members of the Chinese Communist Party. Beyond being uh, bribes, they have enormous implications for our national security. The question is, why did no one in the Obama administration pick this up if they were watching out for our national security? There are numerous compromising photographs of the kind that will be hard to publish. But you know the Chinese has every single one of them. If the Chinese didn't have these compromising photographs, we wouldn't have to worry about China. They'd be a small intelligence player. And that is Rudy Giuliani talking about the tape, the, excuse me, the hard drive that was handed to him from Steve Bannon that went to the New York Post. I imagine they authenticated the best they could, or they said they did. And it looks like Hunter Biden interacting with the third-ranking executive at Burisma, talking about access to his dad, favors that they needed, uh, access to Washington in particular, and... That is what Rudy came out and was speaking about just now. We have a little bit more of him describing uh, what these emails showed. Now, just real quick, if you're just tuning in, you don't get the New York Post, do it. Check this story out. 
but essentially this uh, computer repair person was given a laptop that was damaged from water, at which time no one came to pick it up. They say it was a Biden because it was Bo Biden Foundation sticker on the back of it. And then when he looked at it, he saw these horrible pictures with Hunter Biden smoking uh, crack, porn- pornographic videos, and then saw these emails. Turns it over to the FBI, but took a copy first. Let's listen to a little more. Biden should really drop out from the ticket. He's such a big criminal. Well, that's not going to happen, uh, Rudy, but I, I do well, take your point. Wait, 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 wait until you see the Chinese stuff. OK. When, when will we see that? Soon. So, OK. OK. Let, uh, the, uh, look, let, let them burn the, let themselves burn themselves out attacking this. Look, uh, the media has known this for two and a half years. The FBI has known this for two and a half years. And the Justice Department has known this for two and a half years. And they never they never sought to investigate it. So there are implications to this that go way beyond just Joe Biden. Yes, they go are. to, sure. you know, what kind of law enforcement do we have in America? And how can you do these horrible things to Republicans based on nothing and not even investigate what is a smoking gun, maybe 10 smoking guns, showing that the Biden family has been pulling down millions every time Obama sent them anywhere? So... Rudy Giuliani come out and talk about what the New York Post had with the emails reveal. It's not opinion. This is true. So they have not commented on the Biden campaign. But George Stephanopoulos better ask tomorrow. What are you saying, Ron Johnson, chairman of the Homeland Security Committee? Correct. They're investigating it, um, to which he said normally um, they don't really speak about investigations, right? But since it's hit the media, he said we regular, regularly speak with individuals who email the committee's whistleblower accounts to determine whether we can validate their claims, although we consider those communications to be confidential because the individual in this case spoke with the media about um, contacting the committee. We can confirm receipt of his email, have been in contact with the whistleblower and are in the process of validating the information he provided. And not only are you compromised, but you'll be compromised in China. If there are pictures and business transactions that would embarrass Joe Biden, uh, believe me, if China keeps quiet, they're going to want something in return. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. This better come up tomorrow. In the town hall. Uh, let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. All right. Cristiano Ronaldo has tested positive for the coronavirus. He's 35 years old. He's in really good shape. Uh, he is very sexy. He's got a shirtless commercial. And he's got the coronavirus. He tested positive. Uh, he's from Portugal, you know. And he subsequently returned a negative test on Tuesday morning. Next. The PGA, uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, the number one player in the world, he tested positive for the coronavirus, forcing him to withdraw from the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek on Tuesday. Quote, obviously, I'm very disappointed. It goes to show you it's not just the president. It's not. Many, many, many people. But what does it show you? People get it and they get over it. I'm not saying it should be dismissed, but 99.6% will get over it. Next. Runners may have elite brains, that according to at least one scientist who I imagine runs. Researchers at the University of Arizona compared brain scans of young men who were cross-country runners to those of young men who were not physically active. They found that runners had enhanced connectivity between various regions of their brain. The authors of this latest study believed that high endurance exercise in young adults may play a significant role in how their brain ages. I mean, I think it's also they're comparing runners to people that do nothing. It sounds like we're comparing runners to other athletes. Yeah, what about joggers or bikers or people that did the Peloton last night at 8.30? Exactly. Or, you know, a football player or a tennis player. But no, it's someone who sits on their couch. Next, Apple 
with the uh, with the uh, iPhone 12 unveiled yesterday, Apple made some big tech bets that should boost demand for 5G as well as help spur developers. Why it matters, many tech, many tech advances start out as chicken and egg problems with developers waiting for the market to emerge while consumers don't yet see the value. So they're going to tell us eventually how much we're going to love some of the things they have there that we're not asking for. Like the augmented reality app developers can now, you know, develop something to enhance that. However, the new phones, no AirPods and no charger. How ridiculous. Wow. No AirPods and no charger. Yeah, not even like the old, you know, headsets, but the wire. When well, you buy a new you phone, for, you have to buy more. You have to buy them. Oh, you have to buy them. It, it means you can still use them. They just don't have them. Yeah, so now you're paying $1,000 for a phone and then have to buy a charger for it. Well, still, you got to get me something for Christmas. And <laughs> I don't I... think that should be the reason you don't get it. I guess you don't want oatmeal again. Not anymore. No, <laughs> listen, I had it this morning. Yeah. It was great. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.